and welcome to Knowing Nature, the podcast all about exploring and engaging with the natural world. My name is Victor, and in this episode, I'm joined by Sarah Elliott, and we're going to be talking Minecraft. Hello, welcome, Sarah. Hello. I'm really glad to be here. Would you be able to introduce yourself to us? Sure. My name is Sarah Elliott. I have been in various roles, employee of the Royal Ontario Museum for the past 19 years. Currently, I am a facilitator in the hands-on galleries. I am a school visits teacher, and I am also the learning department's digital content producer, which is the hat that's taking up most of my time right now. Yeah, I can imagine basically everyone, everywhere, everything has gone digital, so it must be <laughs> quite busy right now. It's been it's been eye-opening for a lot of people that, oh, hey, digital is really important. And also, it's not as easy as we you know, thought it was. So yeah. it's been kind of a mixed blessing in that, you know, people actually appreciate digital skills a little bit more now. Now, you've been involved in digital programming at the Royal Ontario Museum, the ROM, uh, mm-hmm. for a number of years now. And that's included, I know that uh, the museum now has a makerspace, but also you piloted uh, a Minecraft program for schools. Yes, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about the program. Like, um, why did you try using Minecraft and and how is the ROM using it? The Minecraft program began in an, an interesting kind of transitional period when it wasn't just us, it was museums across the sector were taking another look at their virtual visit offerings. Because in the past, like in the beginnings of virtual visits, essentially they were pretty much a, a Skype call with video. In the beginning, it was really, really cool for students to be talking to this person who's, whoa, in a totally different place, and we can see them. But as technology progressed, that is not new for students anymore. So you don't have that sort of novelty engagement factor. So essentially what you have is somebody talking at a bunch of students and not a lot of feedback. So What a lot of museums began to do, and the ROM included, was try to think, okay, how can we flip the script on virtual visits and make the the student learning active? So the students are are active participants and not just sitting there having to listen and maybe occasionally asking a question. And through an organic process, one of the ideas that came up was, well, can we do something with Minecraft? And from there, uh, we had sort of a core team that came up with the idea of a program that we could put together that would have students immersed in this virtual world and have to solve kind of resource-based, responsible resource use problems within the world itself, but also having to deal with sort of all the things that come up in Minecraft in survival mode. And that's essentially how it began. And it's been kind of an evolving process ever since. And the program, I believe it's uh, linked to the curriculum, because I know that that's a concern that a lot of teachers can have with using this kind of um, game-based learning. You know, are they actually going to be hitting the curriculum targets that they need to hit? Yeah, absolutely. So we started off just focusing exclusively on grade four, because in Ontario, the grade four science curriculum is the one that has rocks and minerals in it. And it seemed, you know, pretty obvious, Minecraft, rocks and minerals. And what was really interesting was when I started to dig into the initial research, um, at the time, nobody had actually been using Minecraft to talk specifically about mining. 
And at the time at the museum, we had also had um, sort of a new development in the galleries with a donation to open up an entire section about responsible resource use. So it seemed just like a really organic connection. And in the Ontario curriculum, um, over the past decade or so, there was a shift in the curriculum. So all of the sort of basic things you think about with learning about rocks and minerals, like, you know, what is hardness? What is luster? What are the properties of these rocks? What is a rock? Igneous, sedimentary, metamorphic. Like, it's all in there. But there is now a huge, huge focus on looking at the societal impact of this resource use as well. And funnily enough, as the program developed, that really kind of became the focus. The other types of learning are still in there, and we can kind of get into how it is if you want to a bit later. But it also kind of expanded up to grade five as well, because that's where a lot of the focus is on conservation and the responsible use of resources. That's really excellent. I hadn't realized that shift had in there, but it's great to hear that because Ontario, of course, uh, a lot of resource extraction happens in Ontario and across Canada, really, extraction Mm -hmm. of a lot of mineral resources. So it, it makes a lot of sense to take that direction with the program. So how did you start about deciding how to use it? Because Minecraft, of course, it's a big open sandbox world. You can kind of use it, manipulate it in whatever way. What was your initial concept? And then how did you start refining it, I guess? Um, So I had never actually played Minecraft before. I learned to play Minecraft for this program, which was kind of a daunting task. And so the first steps were really just me learning how to play and as I was starting into it, I was on survival mode and you know, in survival mode, like you can't do anything until you gather the resources from it. So that really started to plant the first seeds of, okay, if you are you know, sort of dropped into the middle of this world and you know you need specific resources, you're going to have to do a lot of work before you can even begin to get these resources. And the idea that kind of spiraled out from that is um, essentially the core of the program is an entire class gets onto the Minecraft server at the same time. And they're pre-divided into three different villages by their teacher. And they'll know before they get onto the server which one they're going to. And we've world edited the world so that each village only has specific resources and we've removed other ones from their village. And they'll eventually get this quest where they have to build a monument that contains resources that they from every village. So they actually have to develop a strategy as to are they going to travel a long distance to get the resources they need? Are they going to cooperate with other villages? Are they going to trade with the NPC villagers that are already in the villages when they arrive? Or are they going to go a more combative route? And if they choose to go the more combative route, the the world is, quote unquote, emotionally responsive. So the more conflict they put in the world, the more we turn up the difficulty on the monsters. So the world will feed back into that. And that's kind of really where it came from, was just thinking about that struggle for resources and how there are so many different options that they can choose for how to gather those resources. And those options also have sort of real world analogs. So it's not a direct one to one, but it then gives them a mental scaffold for talking about real world examples of resource use that was well done versus not well done. It gives them a way to say, okay, remember in Minecraft when this happens, that's kind of like this. And, you know, remember the conditions that led you to to do this, even though you knew it wasn't quite such a good idea. 
So in each village as well, there are there is an easy way to get the limited resource, but mm-hmm. that way comes with massive, massive consequences for the world and the people in it as well. It sets up ways to have these discussions about these really complicated concepts that students most of the time you know, unless they're from mining communities, wouldn't have that frame of reference to really wrap their heads around. I can also see good links to make with history in terms of colonialism and the spread of the different world empires in terms of gathering resources from abroad, but also great to make that connection with the fact that we are still extracting natural resources from other communities. How can you go about doing that equitably? Like, what are you giving back to that community for the resources that you're extracting? Mm-hmm. So at the museum, um, we have Indigenous knowledge resource teachers, and I looped them into the conversation to kind of run ideas past them. And it evolved very quickly that relationship building with the NPC villagers within the world became a really, really important focus. And and I had this moment during one of the um, runs with the classes that were on the server where I was having a, a discussion with the students in the class and one of them actually looked up and went, it's kind of like when settlers came to North America, isn't it? And it was just this wonderful, like, yes, you get it. You've made that connection and I didn't have to spell it out for you. And that was that was a really, really powerful moment. That's, that's amazing. That kind of organic link and connection is really difficult in traditional classroom teaching, I think, where all the information is kind of downloaded to you. In this game, I guess you guys have set them a particular goal and they need to just figure out how to reach that goal mm-hmm. and then through the process of reaching it is how they start learning and picking up all these different topics and things but what would you say is the emphasis of your program like how much weight is there in terms of the learning of the curriculum versus relationship soft skills building it's an interesting question because again this program has sort of spread out over several years and the years that it has bridged have seen a lot of shifts in focuses in teaching. So I don't know how it is when you are where you are but in Ontario there's been a really really big focus on the 21st century learning skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have different names but basically it comes into things like um, collaboration, cooperation, creativity, problem solving. And there's a really big emphasis on all of that as well. So it's it's interesting in that it started off specifically as a very narrow focus on one area of one curriculum, the rocks and minerals in the grade four science curriculum. And it has expanded out into, oh, but there's also aspects of social studies. There's also aspects of math. There's also aspects of art you can pull in. We actually ended up creating an entire document going through every Ontario curriculum document and finding the places that teachers could link into those documents just using this program. Um, I don't know about you, but my favorite things to teach have always been sort of cross-curricular, broad, activity-based that tie into all these different things, because that's that's a lot more like what life is like, unless you have a very, very specialized job. Like, I am not just using strictly my science knowledge as a science teacher. Like, I have all of those other skills that are important parts of how I do my job every day. And, and that's really what this has evolved into. Now I'd say that 
just specifically looking at that grade for rocks and minerals, that's about maybe 40% of the program right now. Mm-hmm. And 60% uh, really focuses on not just the social environmental impact part of that grade four curriculum, but also where that expands out into those 21st century learning competencies, the social studies importance of relationship building, respecting other people and listening to people who have been on the land for a lot longer than you have because they know things about how to survive in this environment and you ignore them at your peril. And yeah, and it's it's constantly evolving. So that may change again next year. You know, it's it's kind of an adventure. Let's get into some of the nitty gritty of the program and how you put it together in case other people are thinking of using this platform in a similar way. So did you need to know how to code in order to put together this program and How did you get started with that? I had to learn. So we are operating off of Java server that we have a third-party host, and there's a lot of plugins. So I didn't have to go deep enough to code the plugins myself. There are lots of talented developers who do that. But Mm -hmm. I did have to learn enough to be able to alter the plugins to do what I want them to do and to basically speak the language of the plugins to, to tell it what I wanted. And that was... That was entirely self-taught. Microsoft has been really great about offering a lot of professional development around Minecraft, but they have yet to get into that aspect of like really altering the game to tailor it to what you want it to do. And that's, you know, a lot of YouTube tutorials is basically how I learned. Mostly by young British children <laughs> tends to be the best <laughs> Minecraft tutorial. It really is. It's it's interesting in that way that this game, which is was originally from a Swedish producer, purchased by an American company, and yet it seems to be gigantic in, here in the UK. Well, and, and globally, like you look at the stats and pretty much everywhere in the world, it's just use of it is climbing. It is pretty amazing. So for those who don't know, Minecraft now comes in two different editions. There's the, what came out originally was out on Java, and that can be run on most different platforms. Uh, There's also the Bedrock Edition, which again runs on Apple and Mac, but also runs on the Xbox and mobile. And the two play the same, but they're very different in terms of how flexible you can be with them. So as you said, you were on the Java one, and that's the much more customizable of the two platforms. Mm -hmm. So how do you interact with schools through this program? The way that it works is we have a traveling set of Minecraft accounts that we will, when classes sign up for the program, that we will give out to the classes. So this is one of the interesting areas where we talk about the evolution of everything that's happening in schools over the last few years. When we started the program, Java absolutely made the most sense. And there has been so much change in the program since that we're now kind of side-eyeing it a little bit because it does depend on the classes having devices available for the students that can run the the Java edition of Minecraft. But ideally, students all have a device, they log in and they end up on the server. And we have periodic check-ins with a ROM teacher through a video chat to kind of set goals and debrief anything that happened. And then this was our main reason for using Java edition was that 
staff from the ROM, either me or the, the teacher who is sort of heading that class's experience, can be on the server with them and can also change what's happening on the server, be that NPC responses or we had a student actually create artwork that we put into the server. So we scanned it and there was a plugin that let us put their art right up there. So the world is very, very responsive to what they are doing. And that is something that at the moment cannot be done with the version that most classes have, which is Education Edition, mm -hmm. which is a very security locked version of Bedrock. So that's kind of the core experience is just having that ability to instantly respond to what the students are doing. Uh, how do you keep track of what students are doing in the game? That is a great question. It's a combination of different things. So I have a world map so I can see where they are, a lot of teleporting to check in on them. And then a lot of it depends on the relationship with the classroom teacher as well, because the classroom teacher is the one who is in there with the students. And initially, um, before we started running the program, we focused a lot on training the classroom teacher to be able to be on the server on the teacher account. And we sort of shifted away from that because it's a lot more helpful to have the teacher be in the classroom circulating around to the different groups of students sort of having these conversations and they can hear discussion, they can hear conflict that's arriving, arising in the class in the way that we can't, and they can also respond to it there. And then after uh, the students have finished their session, the classroom teacher can send us notes on anything that happened that they think should happen in the world as well. So it's really collaborative between you and the class teacher. Yes, absolutely. And how do students demonstrate what they've learned? There's a number of different things that can be done. And we also provide a lot of activities that the teacher can choose to incorporate. So keeping journals is a really, really big one that a lot of teachers have done, where after each session on the server, they either have a reflective piece that they write or what has been really powerful has been to have just a class discussion and debrief, and then they kind of record their main thoughts in their journal, which also gives the teacher another way to keep track of what's going on and, and pass that on to me. But there are also checks within the game. I mean, they, they can't complete the monument unless they really grasp the core concepts of what we're trying to pass on to them. There are certain mini challenges that they can't pass without a rocks and minerals knowledge. And we also send an educate with museum rock and mineral specimens to the school and the challenges reflect the learning activities that are done within the educate so that's another way of sort of assessing have they actually learned this and then there are different scales of ending that they can get and one of the goals that they're working for so it ended up becoming almost like an adventure game this world has characters and this world has lore and part of the lore is that there was this ancient race of builders that are no longer there that had the power to to, you know, shape whatever they want. So essentially the builders were in creative mode. And if they have really, and this is, again, depends a lot on correspondence with the classroom teacher, but if they have acted as classroom leaders, if they have really shown sort of concern for the impact that they're having on the world, if they've shown a lot of focus on relationship building and responsibility, then they have the opportunity, uh, they get teleported to the special place to, to write like a mini essay in one of the books that you can get in Minecraft on why they think they deserve to become a builder. So it's another sort of assessment tool that can then be passed on to the teacher to say like, what are the actual lessons that they have taken away from this? 
And then in discussion with the classroom teacher, we decide which students get granted creative mode. Yeah, it, it sounds like a lot of the potential for learning through this program, it, it's a lot dependent on how the game is facilitated, mm-hmm. which is the same as with so many teaching tools. The effectiveness of the teaching tool is oftentimes not down to what the tool is, but how well it's facilitated by the teacher. Yeah, and it's it's kind of comes back to just the core of any sort of lesson design is you don't go into it saying, I want to use Minecraft how can I, I do this? It's, I want to convey these key lesson points. What is a good tool that will allow me to do this? And Minecraft was one of them, partly because it is so immersive and it taps into a lot of what the students are already interested in. So it's a lot of that intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation. They, they really want to do this sort of for themselves as well. And it's part of why the world ended up having characters and having lore because the students are much more invested in having a quote-unquote good ending for their village if they care about the people who are in it. It was really interesting to see as we sort of fleshed out the characters within the villages and they got storylines, just how much the students actually started caring about them. Uh, We put a post office in the game just for students to be able to write letters to characters in the village. And it it was really interesting seeing what came out of it and which characters they bonded with. Oh, that's really great. Mm-hmm. So there's the link with the curriculum in terms of rocks and mineral knowledge. And one of the things that I've been thinking about in terms of using of, of game-based learning is whether or not the learning is, are the kids learning about how to play the game and how the game works versus are they learning about how the real world works? Did you guys have any concerns about that when you were setting up this program? Partly. It's Part of why we we wanted to go the customizable route as well, because there were ideas that we had and plugins that we were investigating for sort of when we got a little bit further along in in our technical knowledge of like, you know, if the students are doing a lot of cutting down of trees, acid rain begins as they're sort of burning a lot of things. There is an acid rain plugin. We wanted to look into like, is there a way we could have a lot of, if they have a really, really dense animal farm, because you need to be able to eat in survival mode. So you, you know, raise animals like sheep or cows or chickens. And if they had a really dense animal farm near the water, is there like a pollution plugin that we could add that would, because there is in Minecraft, the ability to add a poisoned effect to a character. Mm-hmm. Usually it's in potions that are thrown by witches. But we're like, could we add a poisoned effect to the water if they've made a really dense farm because it's farm runoff? There were all these ideas that we we haven't quite hit that technical threshold on yet, but it's part of why we picked Java. And then in the interim, Minecraft started rolling out all of these new updates with different biomes. And I am just absolutely fascinated by that because it's it's not in our version of the game yet because it's actually really difficult to update versions of the game if you have a lot of complex systems running like we do. Yeah. But had things been different, if we had started the program now, I think things would be really different in how we use the internal mechanics of the biomes within the game. Because before they started introducing this, the animals that you found in the game, they covered the entire world. Like You can find cows anywhere, you can find sheep anywhere, you can find chickens anywhere. Mm-hmm. But now they have sort of biome-specific animals, and they've programmed behavior into these animals that is really reflective of real-world behaviors. And that is something that, you know, as 
somebody designing a program now, I would really want to tap more into these these region specific ecosystems, essentially, and and how they would work, um, and how they would become a part of the, you know this quest that they need to do. Absolutely. I could see almost a separate program developing, which is more rather than looking at the uh, rocks and minerals portions of of the curriculum, looking at habitats and ecosystems, that portion of the curriculum Mm -hmm. um, and folding that in. I I guess there's no particular reason why you couldn't have everything in there, although (laughs) it's a lot for one person to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. As, um, as I'm always recommending to, to people, it's usually a program is better if you narrow the focus so that yes. what you do do, you do really well. Yeah. And we have actually been talking about, because again, as things have developed over the last three, four years, and more schools have been getting on to Minecraft Education Edition. So the limits with that one are that we have no way of connecting with the server. For people who aren't familiar, if you're using Minecraft Education Edition, multiple people can be within the world at the same time, but they have to be on the same email domain. So in order for me to see what students are doing, I would have to have an email account issued to me by the school who is on the server. So essentially what you're doing in Minecraft Education Edition is not sort of a live response type of situation like we have with our current program. It would be creating a module that you can then sort of put out into the world and have it do its own thing and not have to check in on. So it's not something that we wanted to do for a topic like this one, especially that can tie into some really, really complicated social, emotional topics that we really want to be able to facilitate very closely and sort of be able to guide and support that discussion. But for other topics, we're actually giving serious consideration to creating Education Edition uh, modules that we can roll out. The one thing that Education Edition doesn't have yet, and I think this is changing, is we have the ability to put pictures of ROM objects on our Java server right now which is huge for being able to do this object-based museum learning that we do within the realm of Minecraft. So on our server, I actually do have a picture of the polar bear that we have in the second floor galleries and all this kind of discussion about it. But being able to get that into the biomes with an education edition, like that is my that is my blue sky end game <laughs> thing that I would love to be able to do. Yeah, I think that is changing because that's, that's a feature that is in is in big demand is for students to be able to kind of display artworks that they've done. Um, another direction that I've seen a few other organizations do is they've taken 3D scans of objects and then imported that into Minecraft. So it yes. comes out as this like pixely um, block version of it, which is pretty cool, but they always come out really giant because as a player, you're about two blocks tall. And <laughs> when you do one of these 3D scans, it's like hundreds of blocks tall. Mm-hmm. So that's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it gives a lot of potential for like, you know, the you with the perspective of you are an ant within this ecosystem. But yeah, like there is again there there is so much that is changing so quickly because one of the really great things about Microsoft, and I don't want to be like, Microsoft is not paying me to say this, but one of the great things about them is they are very, very responsive to the community that they're building for. So they listen to teachers when teachers are saying, we need this, we need this, we need this, and they they are very good about implementing that. So I've seen um, teachers who are the like advanced level Minecraft Education Edition teachers who are, are using programs to actually create their own 
animals. Like I've seen somebody put um, like elephants into the savanna biome because they had essentially just reskinned another animal that's within the game. And like that I'm finding absolutely fascinating. And that Microsoft, if you're listening, that is a course that I would like, like teach yeah. me how to do that. Yeah. Um, because the potential for that, like Minecraft is a huge sandbox already. There's so many different things you can do with it. But the potential to be able to to do that kind of thing is something that just like as a as a museum educator, as a nature educator, you know, as somebody who is a, a really big proponent of game based learning in general, like that is something that absolutely fascinates me. Yeah, there's a lot of really exciting possibilities with there that you can see in the Java version because of this amazing community of mod makers who just do this for free and people yes. just kind of donate to their work. But the the stuff that they produced is amazing. Um, some of the most, mind. yeah, some of the most popular mods I know are are the nature-based ones actually to make mm -hmm. the world, it, to introduce seasons to the world, to introduce more biomes into the world, more different habitats. And the fact that those are so present out there just tells you what kind of demand there is, mm -hmm. which, yeah, to me, it speaks to me a lot about the potential for Minecraft to increasing engagement with nature because there is demand. There is this demand for making the, the nature elements of Minecraft more realistic. It's quite mm -hmm. it's quite interesting. Yeah. And and in kind of the flip side of it, too, um, we've been talking and I've been focusing because really that's been my life for the past three years is on like as a teacher developing a program for students to go into. But there is also, you know, huge potential out there for students to learn how to use these tools and to use them to create their own world. So, you know, if you're doing, say, like an extensive habitat study, like for the students to be able to customize the world to reflect what they've learned about those habitats and interactions within Minecraft. That's another aspect that, you know, I, I don't know how widely it's been explored so far, but it, it's a different angle and one that I find really intriguing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because of course, in order to make those add-ons to the game, you need to know what to put into the game, which means you need to research and look into, okay, if I want to make this type of creature and put it in the game, I need to learn about this creature. What behaviors should it have? How should mm -hmm. it look? What features does it have? And then I, you need to translate that into the game, which means you need to understand it about the original creature. So it's a great opportunity that's there, I think, for, for that self-guided learning. As you said, like it's this intrinsic motivation. The kids themselves want to do this, and it's about providing them the tools yeah, and making those connections between, let's say, AI behaviors for animals that are already in the game, you know, because there are some things like monsters that will, if you're on a, a non-peaceful game mode, that will attack you no matter what. There's others that will leave you alone unless you bother them. And that is a huge thing that we talk about a lot in the elementary nature classes that we do is that, you know, you have to respect nature and leave it alone to do its own thing. Um, and being able to identify in the different behaviors that animals have, oh, that's like this animal, I could use this programming and build what's on already there, but then change it to be this other animal that would react in the same way. So it's, it's without even having to, you know, know how to build behaviors from the ground up to be able to identify and make those connections of this is what this animal acts like, and like remap this different animal skin that goes within your habitat. 
And as they've been rolling out new things, like I'm just the biology nerd and the biology teacher in me just geeks out about things like um, they had an update with bees and the bees have bee mechanics and they will pollinate flowers and you can harvest the honey. But if you haven't put a campfire under the hive first so that the smoke calms the bees, the bees will aggravate and they will become angry and their eyes turn red and they will come after you. But if you smoke the bees, you can harvest it. It's just these are all things that are real world like bee behaviors that they've put within the game. And that's the kind of thing that just like makes me nerd out real good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fabulous, the content that they've added recently, and yeah, lots, so much potential in it. Well, thank you very much for that. It's it's a really exciting program that the ROM has gotten going, and I hope it continues. Do you have any final tips for teachers who are interested, they're considering using Minecraft, especially because it's looking like going into the future, we might have this kind of blended, partly online learning, partly in-class learning having Minecraft and being able to access this kind of virtual learning space from home Mm -hmm. um, seems like there's a lot of potential. So if there's teachers who are interested in getting into it, what would be your, your top tips? Yeah, just kind of as a sidebar before I get into that, I was actually contacted recently by a teacher at Ryerson University who is building a course that will take place entirely within Minecraft. And I'm just like, that blew my mind. Um, just the way that this thing is expanding. But yeah, in terms of tips, the first one is really don't bring in Minecraft and expect that it will succeed because it is Minecraft. Again, like with any lesson design, know what your points that you want to get across that you want your students to learn are, and then figure out if Minecraft is a tool that will work for that and and build from there. Um, But don't try to use Minecraft for Minecraft's sake. The second thing I think would be like, there is an amazing community out there. So look at the examples that have been put out there. Take the trainings that that Microsoft has put out there because they're really comprehensive and actually really well done and give a lot of just concrete examples of the different ways in which the program can be used within your teaching. And the third thing really is... Don't think that you have to be a Minecraft expert in order to use Minecraft within your teaching. Because, um, again, as we mentioned, it's way more useful for you to be walking around the class facilitating those discussions. Because, you know, at the core, it's really those skills of communication and collaboration and problem solving that are so fundamental in anything you teach are also really, really important within Minecraft. And if you're focusing on that and on sort of setting class norms and encouraging collaboration within your classroom, the kids will figure out Minecraft just fine. Um, You don't have to be the expert. And it's really empowering for them to also be able to teach you different things that they figure out. But really, the core of it is creating that classroom dynamic. Well, thank you, Sarah, for coming on through Knowing Nature with us and sharing your experience in in using Minecraft with classes. It's very exciting and lots of potential there. So thank you again for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And if I can just say, like, it is a, a different world that we are living in, and we are looking at deploying this program again next year. So if there are any teachers we prefer within Ontario, but we will go globally, any teachers who want to get involved, you can contact me at the museum, Sarah E at rom.on.ca, and I am happy to tell you more about the program if you want to get involved. 
Wonderful. Thank you. So don't forget that notes on things that we've discussed in the episode today, they'll be down in the show notes and on our website, which is at knowingnaturepodcast.wordpress.com. If you've got any other questions or comments, you can send us an email at knowingnaturepodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at KN underscore podcast. Thanks for listening. Yay, thank you.